into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin, lovely finish. Oh, yes, delivery again. Duzzi's header. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. A goal back. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Hello and welcome along for the latest edition of Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. In this week's pod, we admire Rennes' attacking prowess and ask if Bruno Genesio's tyros are Champions League bound. We'll hear from Monaco goalkeeper Alexander Nubel and have a chat about the best and the worst goalkeepers in the French top tier. And as Kylian Mbappe inspires the league leaders to another victory, this time against Saint-Étienne, we ask, what can PSG do to keep the France striker in the capital beyond the summer? It's time to pull out all of the stops. So let's get creative. We want input from you, the listeners, as we try to come up with an offer that Killian simply cannot refuse. With me today to pour over all of the round 26 action, welcome to the pod, Andy Scott. How are you, Andy? I'm not bad, thank you, Matt. I've... Um, I've, I've... Understood the instructions to keep my answers um, short and sharp today, so I won't say any more than that for the moment. I knew you would have taken that comment badly. Listen, Andy's had a good night's <laughs> sleep because I was the one working late last night. I, I commentated the uh, the late game between Leon and Lille. I finished the highlights. That's why I'm a bit horsey. Um, so, Andy, you have uh, no excuse. You've had a good night's sleep. Um, joining us as well for his uh, debut on Le Bourgeois, we have Luke Entwistle, who is uh, based down in Nice, covers Monaco for uh, Monaco Life. How are you doing, Luke? I'm good, thanks. Morning, Matt. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, it's, it, it's great to have you on. And uh, I, can, I can just sort of see a bit of sunshine uh, coming through your, your window behind. So we're, we're, we're a little bit jealous of you down on, on the Côte d'Azur. And we look forward to hearing your thoughts on, on Monaco in particular. But we're going to start uh, our coverage by talking about Rennes. It was the first game of round 26. Montpellier against Rennes, two teams with uh, hopes, high hopes of finishing in Europe, particularly Rennes. Although Montpellier, uh, if they could have beaten Rennes on Friday night, they would have moved level with them on points. It is all very, very tight in the top half of the standings. Here is what happened. I commentated this game at the Stade de la Mosson. Lovromea. The cross from Traoré, the header from Martin Terrier is pinpoint. Ren take the lead. It's been a very strong start from Genesio's team. Maya finds Traoré. Traoré on the outside, goes past the Yongo, cuts it back beautifully for Burijo. Oh, it's a super goal from Ren. And they have uh, picked up from where they left off last weekend when they put four goals past Troyes playing some superb football. This was another flowing move. Sylvanier takes over. Plays a dangerous ball in. It's gone all the way across to the far side where Ayungo has struck a peach of a shot. And out of nowhere, Montpellier are back in this contest. Suke. Crossed by Shotar, it's a good one, the overhead from Ellie Way. It's a stunning goal, Way doesn't look like he can quite believe it. Montpellier draw level. Thanks to their teenage attacker, Ellie Way. Well, he's had to wait a long time, Laborde. He's had a lot to think about. And Laborde has kept his nerve to score against his former team and to restore Rennes' advantage here. Maya now. Maya, lovely one-two with Bourijo and Lovro Maya. Has slotted home a fourth goal for Rennes and probably finished Montpellier off. Well, um, Andy, I have to say, I, I wanted to start with, with this partly because I commentated it, but I was really... I was really taken by by Ren, and I know they've been inconsistent in the last month or so. They'd actually lost four games, four away games on the bounce go it, going into this one, having basically won all of their home games. Um, but they are just such a fun team to watch, and uh, we saw that the first fifteen minutes was absolutely mercurial. They went. 
they went 2 0 up, and uh, and then we had a pretty stirring comeback from Montpellier. We had some brilliance from Teji Savanier, who is one of the best players to watch as well in Europe. And when he's when he's on song, he's just untouchable, absolutely brilliant. But Ren just had too much, and I, I love. I love the way they're playing with the attacking fullbacks mailing on the left and Hamari Traore on the right. Traore set up the first two goals. You've got Bourgeau and uh, Lovro Meyer buzzing about in the midfield behind Laborde and Terrier. They both scored 13 goals apiece uh, for Laborde and uh, for Martin Terrier. And I, I think, Andy, watching that game, that Ren for me, they're, they're, they're the form team if you want, behind Paris Saint-Germain. And I, I really fancy them to go on and, and overtake Nice and Marseille. They're up to fourth now. What do you reckon, Andy? Um, yeah, well, <clears throat> I think that's, the, in a way, it's a slightly separate discussion um, what the other teams are doing. But I think certainly that Ren are, um, I think the most, the, the potential that they have certainly going forward, as you say, is 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 quite remarkable. In a, in a sense, it's only what should have been expected because of the money they spent last uh, summer here in France. I mean, only... Only Paris Saint-Germain outspent them. Um, and so, you know, I guess we should have been expecting a big season from Rennes. Obviously, the arrival of Gaëtan Laborde has been very precious to them. I know he scored a penalty on Friday and a, a penalty last weekend as well. But in general, he's been he's been um, an excellent sign. He scored plenty of goals for him. I think he's lived up to the expectations um, that they could have had in him after spending about 15 million euros to sign him from Montpellier. Last summer, um, one of the one of the big signings, one of several big signings. If you look at the recent results, yeah, you're right. I mean, um, if you uh, they lost at Clermont in uh, in late January, but apart from that, they've been in pretty exceptional form. They were unlucky to lose away to Paris Saint Germain with a late goal. They're not the only team to lose to a late goal against PSG this season. Since January, they've put six past Bordeaux, uh, which might not be the hardest thing to do at the moment, but they've put six past Bordeaux, four past Trois last weekend, four past Montpellier on Friday. Um, and yeah, if if you compare them to the other teams at the top of the table, they have a greater goal threat. They have um, a, a pretty strong defence. They have real quality in midfield. They have the fullbacks you mentioned. I mean, last weekend it was Birger Melling who had two wonderful assists uh, in the game against Trois, and um, on Friday Amari Traoré, who's got incredible energy. Mm. And and I think I think actually the season before last, I think we were saying when when Ren qualified for the Champions League in that curtailed season because of the pandemic. I think we were saying that he was the best right back in the division. Well, I was going to say, um, I, I think he is, Andy. I think he is. And, yeah, he, and, and not and, just and, and, not and, just his attacking and his ability, but his leadership with with, with this yeah, well, side. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, he he's the he's the captain of the, the Malian national team as well. Uh, and, you know, he's, he does stand up and take responsibility. And it's quite remarkable because obviously, you know, PSG spent 60-odd million euros on Ashraf Hakimi last summer. You might have thought, well, he's going to be the star right back in the division. Not that he's done badly, but he's maybe not quite been as good as Maybe people thought he would be. And you're right. Amari Traoré has been exceptional. Two, two assists for him on Friday. I, I think you're right. I think that Ren, um, and we will talk later about, about the other teams above them, I suppose, but I, I think there's a real chance that Ren are going to finish in the top three. And, and I think that would be probably on a par with what they were, you know, that was what they were setting themselves up for this season, given the money they spent. But nonetheless, taking nothing away from them, they're, they're really entertaining. Bruno Genesio is doing a good job. Okay, no, I'm glad that you, you took on board my suggestion to keep your, keep your answer short. <laughs> I was um, going to say, is that short enough? <laughs> <laughs> We've only got a couple of minutes left on the pod, um, but uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, and they've got, they've got depth as well. You mentioned mailing the, the left-backs. They've also got Adrian Trufair, who's, uh, you know, been pushing him all season long. He's a really good young left-back as well. Um, they were missing Kamaldin Suleiman and Flaviante um, at, at the weekend. They had on the bench um, Seru Girassi, who, who came on, Jeremy Doku, who, who came on, Lovro Maya, um, who producer Robbie is telling me to talk about, is, is an absolute joy to watch. And that last goal was, uh, was, was, was superb. But, you know, Luke, are we, are, are we getting carried away with, with this Ren side and their attacking potential? By the way, they've drawn... Um, Leicester City in, in the Europa League and I think that'll be a really good game I think pretty well matched and I, I actually fancy Ren to beat them um, what do you think Luke have you been as impressed as us yeah for sure I mean I think there's just so many goals in that side coming from so many different sources obviously Laporte up there and also Terry have just got so many goals themselves but I think Maya has really the potential to really kick on and contribute a lot as well uh, I believe for the Croatian national team, he's scored two goals in three games. So he clearly has it in him to to contribute there. Um, yeah, I just think 
there are too many goals in that side for them not to kick on, not to win more matches than they lose. And with Nice, obviously, as you say, it's a different conversation, but with Nice and Marseille, uh, dropping points this weekend and have done so in recent weeks, I do think that they have the potential even to get up into that second place and get the uh, get the Champions League place. In terms of Leicester, I think that'll be a very fun match to watch. Um, Wren have got so much attacking fluidity. Um, so do Leicester. Leicester's obviously weak point this year has been their defence. Um, so I can kind of foresee a very, very open game, lots of goals. Uh, I think it'll be yeah very, very good fun to watch. Well, Ren are, are three points behind Nice now. They're, they're four points behind Marseille. Marseille second, Nice third. Um, Luke, you're based uh, down in Nice. I know you follow Monaco more than you follow Nice, but uh, Nice um, obviously going going well this season under Christophe Galtier. They had a big, big match at the weekend away to Strasbourg. Uh, it finished nil-nil, a game of few chances. It's something we've seen from Nice, this ability to... Um, um, to basically close teams out. I mean, Strasbourg at the Stade de la Meno, they are prolific usually, but they didn't manage to score. Um, Jeremy McGann got in touch on Twitter saying, you know, what do you think of Galtier parking the bus again? Is this a lack of ambition? We saw him do it um, at the Parc des Princes when Nice knocked PSG out of the Coupe de France on, on penalties. Is it lack of ambition, Luke, or is it just is it just sound management and perhaps um, a skill as well to be able to to stop another team from playing? I'd say it's yeah, perhaps a quite a pragmatic approach. Um, taking it back to Monaco, if if I could, um, I found that out of all the matches I've been to at the Sadlerida this season, I've not been more impressed um, by any of the side than I, I was when I went to see them against Strasbourg. I mean that that game ended up in a, a one-all draw and two goals just from penalties, but they really kind of turned up more than I've you know I've seen Lille there, I've seen Rennes there, I've seen lots of attacking sides kind of go there and and take the game to to Monaco, but I I didn't see any half as impressive as, as I saw Strasbourg. So I think it's quite pragmatic, perhaps, especially on, you know, on their turf to to turn up and try and hit them on the break, go there, not necessarily for the draw, but look to sit deep, contain all that pressure, and then to spring forward when possible. I mean, it almost came off. And, you know, there's a couple of times when Nice County came forward on the break and looked like they could have pushed through. Um, but, you know, a lack of kind of joined up thinking and attack on, on those counters kind of didn't yield any goals but I, I definitely think they could have got the win there but I think the way that he approached it and sitting deep looking to contain rather than really attacking the whole match I think was probably probably the right approach. Andy can we can we turn this into more of a general European chat I know you commentated Trois against Marseille on uh, on Sunday afternoon it was not not really a very good uh, afternoon for for Marseille they got an, an early lead through Dimitri Payet Andy he came to see me afterwards and said, you know, I've commentated 10 Marseille games this season. And can you believe it? That was a complaint from Andy Scott. He's not happy about having too many Marseille games. There no, have, no, 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 no. Well, no, I don't no, know. No. There, 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 no, have no, been, just... <laughs> there have been some stodgy <laughs> ones. Um, Trois came back and Andy, you, you were saying to me that it was on, it, you know, it was on the cards, this equaliser from, from Tuzgar late, late on. Yeah, it was. It's, it's funny because quite quite often when uh, when I've been at a game or or you know whenever commentating a game and quite often I come home, my wife will say to me, "How how was the game?" And and it's a bit of a joke between us because frequently I'll say it wasn't a good, it was terrible, you know. And 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 it's because because I'm just you know sometimes the games are not that good, sometimes they're good, sometimes not so good. And it is true that Marseille in recent weeks, um, the games have not been great. You know the the um, did the you Clermont get did you, game did you have week. the five two against Angers? That was good. No, I didn't have that one. That that oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I mean yeah. Obviously, obviously, that that was that was that was a bit of an outlier in terms of the recent matches. I mean, um, you know, the, the the if you look at the last three games, they had that late victory at Mess when Milik came off the bench and scored that brilliant goal uh, to to dig them out of a, a a small hole. Last weekend against Clermont, they did not play at all well. Yesterday, they did not play at all well either. It looked like they were going to get the win after the Payet penalty, but then of course they um, they they conceded in the 90th minute and. I, yeah, I think it's, I mean, Marseille, we've talked about at great length on this podcast about how they were really entertaining to watch at the start of the season and, and San Paolo sort of reined that in because they were conceding too many goals. Um, yesterday, they didn't show a huge amount of attacking ambition and Milik was again on the bench until the 78th, 79th minute when he came on and by that point, you know, it was too late for him to influence the game. I, I am a bit concerned for them because I think that you know, there's a danger they're going to run out of steam. I mean, I think they were they were a bit tired after the European game. I think they should really go for the Europa Conference League, by the way. 
They played Basel in the last 16. I think they've got a chance of doing something in that competition. Why not go for some silverware? That would be really nice for them. But next season, they want to be in the Champions League. I think there's a danger that they're going to miss out. I think um, if you, I mean, if you just simply look at the numbers, Rennes have scored 51 goals this season. Only Paris Saint-Germain have scored more than that. And with the exception of Strasbourg, none of the teams around them have even come close to that number of goals scored. And then if you look at the number of goals conceded, Nice have the best defence. I mean, Nice, when they came to Paris... Um, in the league at the start of December, I, I thought it was a defensive masterclass from them. And, and they've repeated that on a number of occasions this season. It's understandable that Christoph Gelty wants to get the defence sorted, first of all, and build from there with the potential they have in the years to come to be an exciting attacking team. And I think that that defensive solidity probably will get them in the top three at the end of the season. I think at the moment you're looking at, you know, things can change. It's still about a third of the season to go. But I would say Nice and Ren are, are possibly going to be the two teams to finish behind PSG in, in the Champions League places this season. Because Marseille, I mean, yesterday, Marcelo Bielsa was sacked by Leeds United. The, the, the weekend, he was sacked by Leeds United. And, and, I was you know, going to mention that. Get him in, get him in. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you, you, you know, you're thinking about Sam Paulo, who obviously is revered in, in Marseille because he's got that passion. He's got that, you know, he's got that Bielsa. Uh, there's something about Bielsa in him, right? I mean, it's not just because he's Argentinian. There's, there's, there's more to it than that. There's lots of links going back as well. Um, and, and, Bielsa's team back in 2014, 2015, they were top of the table at the halfway stage of the season. They ran out of steam. They ended up not even finishing the top three. And I'm a little bit concerned the same thing is going to happen to Marseille. And, and they're not as entertaining to watch as they were under Bielsa. But I, I, I just fear for them a little bit. And, and you know, you and I have talked off the podcast a lot about, about Milik and about how San Paoli needs to fit him into the team. And of course he should because he's a brilliant finisher. Yeah, yesterday they were I, crying I, I, out, I, not I, just for a goal scorer, but for 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 creativity. I mean, it just yesterday it was really poor, really really. It's really a subject, and it's a subject that's that's annoying me. I, I was looking at his stats. I, I think he's got twelve goals in his last thirteen games, Milik, and I don't know how many of them have been starts. Only sort of eight or nine starts. I mean, you know, he's a goal machine. You find a way of playing him. You talk about San Paoli being popular. You know, he certainly was, and I think a lot of Marseille fans are still very much behind him. But a lot of them are increasingly puzzled and annoyed by team selections. It's difficult to speak on the behalf of supporters because I, I'm not one of them. And, you know, you, you get your impressions from social media sometimes. But, uh, you know, the Millic thing I find just just crazy. Sorry, Andy. Yeah. Well, just, I mean, no, just 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 to, to, to come back to I mean, Millic didn't play in the Europa Conference League tie on Thursday. I mean, just to remind you, they were in Baku. I mean, I went to Baku in 2019 for the Europa League final between Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, which didn't end too well for for the red and white uh, side of London, as you know, Matt. But Baku is not an easy place to get to. You know, I had to fly via Qatar to get to Baku in 2019. It's a long trip. I know that Marseille were on a you know a, a, a charter flight that would have gone directly without passing via the Middle East. But nonetheless, it's a long trip. It's a three-hour time difference. You go there for a game on a Thursday evening. You come back to France. And you have to travel to Troyes, which is a long way from Marseille, for a game on Sunday afternoon. That's not easy. And Sam Paoli only made three changes to his to his lineup between the two games. Milik, who was not in the team in in Baku against Karabag, wasn't in the starting lineup. I think most people probably thought that he would be in the starting lineup. You know, very strange. I mean, they looked um, tired, short of ideas, and it just didn't work yesterday. And yet, Sam Paoli didn't exactly rush to change things. And and I, yeah, I, I think that it's it is concerning. They have you know they've they've had two games there against newly promoted teams that they should be beating. And they've taken one point from a possible six. Well, it's certainly going to be um, a fascinating battle, the, uh, the battle for Europe with um, so many teams still involved. I think, you know, we can probably go down to Montpellier in 11th. They've got 37 points. They're, what, nine points behind Nice, who are third. They're six points off, uh, off fourth. Um, Lyon missed a wonderful opportunity on, on Sunday night. They were at home against Lille. Um, Lille secured a 1-0 victory uh, thanks to a goal from Gabriel Goodmanson, the uh, Swedish midfielder, got his, his first goal in, in French football. A bit of a mistake, has to be said, from Thiago Mendes, who was playing centre-back for, from, for Lyon. Um, Lyon had most of the play. They pushed, they pushed, they pushed. Um, Leo Jardim made a few good saves. And then in the very last minute, guys, um, Jardim had a, a rush of blood to the head he basically, I'll, I'll explain for anyone who, who hasn't seen the action. Um, the ball came back to him on the edge of the box. He controlled it to his left, 
thinking he could push it into space. And actually, Lucas Paqueta had completely read his intentions. He suddenly realised that Paqueta was going to close him down. He tried to sort of hack the ball to safety, completely miscued uh, the ball, which went just a couple of yards. He then, in his follow-through, so Paqueta was running, not at the goalkeeper, running at the ball, um, which was to the side of the goalkeeper. And the goalkeeper, having missed the ball effectively, in his follow-through with his left leg, caught Paqueta. Um, both fell down. Paqueta got up, got the ball and put it in the empty net. And the referee initially gave the goal. VAR told him he needs to go and have a look. He went and have a look, had a look. It seems like he looked from one angle only. Um, saw Paqueta running into Jardim's leg, if you like. And he disallowed the goal. Leon were absolutely fuming. Um, you could hear Peter Boss on the sideline shouting, it's a scandal, it's a scandal. Um, I was commentating it. And as he was looking at the pictures, I was saying, this is not a foul. The goal is going to stand, which shows how much I know. Um, but for me, I, I, I still don't think it's a foul. And I've had discussions with various people. A lot of the French people I've spoken to have said, oh, it's, a, it's a foul. Yes, it is a foul. And they haven't said it like that. They've said it more in a kind of French way. Um, but <laughs> I'm also thinking if something like that happens, if it's if Leo Jardim is a fullback and it's on the touchline and the, the attacker's coming and closing him down and he follows through and, and the attacker ends up making contact with the defender's leg, we always, you know, we always see a defensive free kick for that. So maybe the goalkeeper's right. Andy Scott, a... a a tough Scotsman. I've got a feeling I know what you're going to say. What do you think? Well, it's funny because we uh, we were talking on the podcast last week, uh, myself, Robbie and, and Angus, about the Aurelian Chouameni sending off in the Monaco-Bordeaux game and about how that was incredibly soft, obviously. It was. I mean, he played the ball. And um, we didn't just play the ball. It was a good tackle. Anyway, we're not talking about that. But the but as we said, Robbie said at the time, you know, the, the, the French phrase, the excès d'engagement, which is always punished, you know, and um, and how there's not really a, a, a proper translation of that into English because in our in our cult in our footballing culture, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with with a bit of. I know. I mean, I just I just don't read how you how you translate I that phrase. Me, you know, from, it's <laughs> and and, and that, that's that's a different. It's a different. It's a different. Yeah. Um, Exce- a different excessive discussion. commitment. We never we never see yeah, that on exa- on, on exactly. the What's, what's yeah. wrong with too much commitment? And and I mean, I have to say, I, I think. I'm not sure what the one angle that Clément Turpin uh, was, uh, the, the, what the one angle was that he saw last night. But the the one angle, um, the first angle that I saw of the of the of the challenge uh, by Paquetan Jardim makes you think. Yeah, I can see why he's given it, but it, that's as far as you can go. I can kind of see why he's given it. I mean, it's it's a big moment in the game. Um, Listen, I, I just, I, th- I think it's for me, just, but for it's me, Andy, it's it's harsh the fact it's the fact that Jardim mi- essentially misses the ball. I think from the moment that well, he's completely yeah. miskicked the ball and Paqueta's running yeah. to the ball, I, I just think, Luke, you're you're, you're going to have to settle this one. Free kick, yes or no? I mean, I think the example of you know, obviously, if it's in the corner flag, it's always given as a foul. If there's any contact on the follow through from a clearance, it's just always given. So if you're asking for consistency, I suppose you give it. Um, I don't like seeing that kind of thing to be given as a foul. I, I don't think it should be given as a foul, just as I don't think is it, nece- it necessarily should be in the context of a defensive clearance near the corner flag. I, I don't think that just by having contact in you know from a clearance that that should automatically be a foul. Um, and especially, I don't think that you can say there's enough there to overturn it. If that was the initial decision... Um, I don't think you could say that there's a clear and obvious error, but to then say that there's a clear and obvious error in not having given that foul initially, I think is I think that's a really good point. I think that's a really good point because often the referees will, will explain that it has to be a clear and obvious error. Now, Clement Turpin, he had a good view of it and he didn't give a, he didn't give a free kick. So he's overturning that. Yeah, saying, yeah, well, yes, and, I had and- made a clear and obvious error. And on one angle as well, if I remember correctly, I feel as though the angle that he saw was the front on, which didn't look that conclusive. I think he's kind of been told almost uncategorically by his VAR official that um, this is a foul and kind of going towards the camera at that point was just just for the sake of, you know, looking as though he's making the decision rather than, I, I think by the time he got to the camera, I, I think that was that. I think the decision was already overturned in his mind. 
And I can I can understand Peter Boss being furious because it's a last minute equaliser, but it's also a goal that I, you know honestly I don't think I'm exaggerating to say it could it could end up costing him his job because Lille move above Leon now. They're a point above Leon. They're going to be a rival, no question, till the end of the season. Those two are going to be jostling for positions. They'll be hopeful. I don't know if they'll be confident, but they'll be hopeful of overtaking Lens and uh, and uh, and Nantes and Strasbourg. Maybe, um, but obviously they need to start winning. They're, I mean, they're only two points. Leon are only two points behind um, Lens, who are who are six. So you know, it, it is also tight. But you know, that goal is, is absolutely huge. Not just because Leon lose a point, but because Lille, you know, get 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 three points. Um, Lens were were victorious over the weekend, two uh, one. They uh, they won away to Angers. Jonathan Close with uh, effectively an assist and uh, a superb goal. If he meant it, it was one of those. It was a, a cross um, from the right side of the box that that dipped over the goalkeeper. Um, superb attacking player, Jonathan Close. So we'll we'll give him credit for that one. Nantes could only draw nil nil um, away to Metz. Metz really struggling for goals and they barely had a shot in that game. Nantes will be disappointed they didn't get uh, all three points. So um, we've got just behind uh, Strasbourg, who are fifth, we've got Lens in sixth place, Nantes seventh, Lille in eighth, Monaco, we'll talk about them shortly, in ninth, and uh, and Lyon in tenth. But uh, now it is time for our competition. And uh, I know more and more of uh, our listeners are, are getting involved. If you think you know the answer, we have our email address, league1podcast at gmail.com. So it's league, L-I-G-U-E, the number one podcast at gmail.com. And um, yeah, Robbie did go a bit easy with his clue last week. We had a record number of answers. So um, competition was tough for uh, the Gail Kakuta Lance shirt. It may have been the fact that it was a beautiful uh, blood and gold Lance shirt that, that, that got our listeners writing in. The clue was, born in France's southeast, my professional career has never left the area playing for four clubs along the Mediterranean coast over the last decade. Often obliged to play second fiddle to those around me, my timing and intelligence have enabled me to make over 400 career appearances and score more than 100 goals. Perhaps my footballing brain came from my father. While we both lost on a final of the European stage, my single league 1 title is dwarfed by his three championship triumphs and one Coupe de France crown. Well, yes, he did often play second fiddle to the likes of Radamel Falcao. He's, uh, he was playing second or even third fiddle on Friday night to Eli Wahi and Flora Mole. <laughs> I'm talking about Valor Germain, the excellent Valor Germain, a Montpellier player these days, formerly of Nice, Monaco and Marseille. And his dad, uh, a terrific player for Marseille in the 80s, Bruno Germain. So congratulations to everybody who got the right answer. We've had to take a lucky dip out of the hat. And the name that has come out, Matthew Wood. Congratulations to Matthew Wood. We will be in touch with you. And a Gail Kakuta shirt will be winging its way to your home. This week, this is a shirt I'd love in my in, in my bedroom because I'm a big fan. It's an Arcadia's Milik shirt. I'm not sure Sam Pauli would hang it up in his living room. But... Um, We've got a Marseille Milik shirt up for grabs and we've got another testing conundrum for you. Here we go. It's time for Deja Vu. Born in the suburbs of Paris, I spent a year in the Paris Saint-Germain Youth Academy before heading east to make a name for myself and then south to take the next step up. While I struggled at first, I eventually imposed myself as first choice and even went on to captain Olympique de Marseille before moving abroad and ending my playing days on the other side of the English Channel. A more than honourable career for club and country failed to bring me a single trophy, although you wouldn't know it listening to me on TV. My articulate and straight-talking football lexicon has now been put to good use as the coach of a fallen giant of the French game looking to shine once again. Who am I and who do I coach? Good one, Robbie. So this morning I got it wrong when I said to Robbie, is it, is it him? And, but I've just realised, reading it for a second time, I've got it, I think. Andy, confident? No, I can't. I, uh, no, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm so, thinking. Robbie, don't, don't, it's, it's, don't it's, tell a, me. it's a good one because it's definitely gettable. Luke, any, any 
Any idea? Not not got an inkling at the minute. <laughs> Give me a minute. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm feeling <laughs> better right. about myself because I do know it. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, all right. Let's uh, move on. So if you think you know the answer to that, by the way, please email us, league1podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have our, our Twitter account these days at League One Podcast. We always welcome your thoughts. Um, we're going to talk PSG. We're going to talk Kylian Mbappe. Andy Scott commentated Paris Saint-Germain's game on Saturday night. They were playing Saint-Étienne and they were looking to bounce back, having uh, lost their previous game away to Nantes. Here's what happened. Loose ball. Danilo Pereira turning into trouble there. And there's the shot from Buanga. And there's the goal. A gift for Saint-Étienne. And a dream start for the away side here. Messi for Mbappe. Mbappe's shot has gone in. Through the grip of Paul Bernardoni. One that the Saint-Étienne goalkeeper surely should have saved. But once again, Kylian Mbappe is the man for Paris Saint-Germain. Messi once more. Twisting one way, then the other. There's the shot from the angle. Oh, it's a wonderful finish by Kylian Mbappe. And it's a wonderful start to the second half for Paris Saint-Germain. It seems it can only be him. Neymar into the box, just showed a bit too much of that one. To uh, Buanga, the cross to the back post has been headed in though. And Danilo Pereira makes it 3-1. What a turnaround. What about that for a cross from Kylian Mbappe? And Danilo Pereira couldn't miss. So Andy... If Kylian Mbappe isn't there to, to, to Paris Saint-Germain win this game, because certainly looking at the highlights, once again, it was all about Mbappe. Um, well, yeah, probably not, because Mbappe gives them that. I mean, what did he showcase on Saturday? Um, you know, the, the not just the finishing, but the, the, the pace. I mean, the pace is what always gets me with Kylian Mbappe. You know, it's just that incredible speed to get in behind and, and um, uh, he terrorises defences with his pace first and foremost, but... You know, the assist for the third goal was absolutely sumptuous with the outside of the right boot. I, I, I think that that PSG performance was, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm quite critical of PSG. I think they deserve criticism a lot of the time, um, given the, given the, the amount of money they've spent and the, 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 um, you know, the, what they're capable of doing. I think they should often do better. I think against Saint-Étienne, the first 35 minutes or so was very poor. I think after that, they were very good. And I think that they do deserve some credit for that. Mbappe obviously made the difference. It was a good night for Lionel Messi. Uh, a couple of assists for him. He's he's setting up a lot of goals at the moment. He might not be scoring them, but he's setting them up. Um, you know, throughout the team, it was it was a, a pretty good performance. Even Neymar was looking pretty sharp. But you're right. I think Mbappe ultimately, without him, they might have struggled to get the result, which is actually quite damning because obviously they have incredible quality. Uh, already on the field, but also on the bench, guys like Icardi and Draxler, who at the moment you don't necessarily feel like they're going to change the game when they come on. Mbappe makes a difference, and the reason PSG are so far clear at the top of the table, despite all the incredible players they've got and the depth they have in their squads, he is the reason. He is the guy who scores the goals. He is often the guy who sets them up. He's just incredible. Yeah, I, I I can hear Robbie in my ear just as Andy was saying that PSG deserve criticism, and Robbie was I'm I'm sure. If I if I could have heard him down in Australia, he would have been saying fifteen points clear, mate. Fifteen points. They are fifteen points clear um, at the top. Robbie's also pointing out that Kylian Mbappe is top of the assists charts, and he's very much a complete player. And I'm just I, outside of the right boot. That cross was beautiful. Um, but I was saying to my colleague, I just flipped that over with the, with my left foot. I mean, why you know why is he getting his body in that position to kind of? Hopeless. No, but I'm... <laughs> he's, like, he's like he's like he's like he's like Chris Waddle, isn't he? He's only got one foot, you know. And 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 Chris Waddle was a hopeless player as well. I I'm I have no doubt in my mind he's the best player in the world right now. And I I, I think I wouldn't say I've no doubt, but I'm I'm very very confident that he'll finish the tie off in the burnabout because I just think he's untouchable and I think he'll he'll see PSG over the line but um before we talk about how we're going to keep him because we need to keep him with us here in France um Luca what about Lionel Messi I need to check this but I, I was seeing stats that he's now joint top of the scoring charts with uh, uh sorry of the assist charts with with Mbappe he got both assists for Kylian Mbappe um and perhaps people are accepting as well 
that we're not we're, we're not going to see the Messi from Barcelona, but we've still got this unbelievably skillful and intelligent footballer. And we're starting, you know, we're starting to see more and more. I mean, his stats in 2022 are much better in terms of goals and assists, particularly assists. Um, that's got to be encouraging as well, Luke. Yeah, I mean, obviously a slightly trite comment, but, and, you know, very, very overused, but he is still very much a joy to watch. Um, he's, you know, he's still doing lots of the things that he was doing for Barcelona. And lots of the things that he was struggling to do was about kind of understanding with the players around him. At least now, it seems as though he's formed a really good understanding with Mbappe, which seems like the important thing. Um, Neymar is slightly on the sidelines. I'm, I'm not seeing quite as much from him currently. But at least with Mbappe and with Messi, they seem to have a really good combination that is, is a bit of a surefire way of goals. Um, but yeah, I mean, his touch is still there. His passing range is still there. You think that if he kind of continues, um, the confidence is you know, certainly coming back after a difficult start to the season and uh, the goals will come. You know, he's hit the post, I think, more than any other player in the league. So it's, you know, it's a game of fine, fine margins and uh, it only takes something to, you know, just go slightly the other way. And, you know, he's in double figures for the season. So, um, yeah, I, I think he'll, he, he could still reach that kind of double figure mark potentially. I, th- I think the thing on Messi is that he, I mean, he did this, he's, he's done this for a long time where he's, he's, drop deep and and I mean he's essentially a playmaker Messi and has been for actually much of his career um but the, it, it did strike me on Saturday evening you know being at the game that it is it is much more the case in France I think than it was when he was in Spain that as soon as he gets near the penalty box he is just crowded out by you know five six defenders who are obviously much more physically imposing than he is and a lot's been said about the physical nature of the French game and how that is harder to deal with than than La Liga, which is definitely true. I think Messi actually, after the first few months in France, um, is is ad- has adapted his game even more and is is now becoming the 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 ultimate playmaker who is all about making the goals for for Mbappe. And actually if if PSG can can keep this up where you have Mbappe getting in behind, being the lethal finisher, Messi setting up the goals and and if you throw Neymar into the mix with a little bit of fully, as the as the French say, a little bit of um, you know uh, incredible footwork and skills and and that turn of pace coming in from the wing, then that's not a bad it's not a bad attack, is it? I mean, I'm saying something that's incredibly obvious, but but Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar are, are, are not a bad front three. I think I think I think the signs on Saturday were actually really encouraging from from the three as a whole. And Neymar is not fully fit yet. Um, you know, Messi is. Going to add more goals, but you know, I think I think he's set up at least one goal in each of the last five or six league games. I think it's it's looking quite promising. Yeah, he is he is top of the assist chart. He's got ten, and has got ten, so they're they're joint top. Jonathan Close with nine, Dimitri Payet with with eight. I would say though that Messi has contributed five assists against Saint Etienne this season, so I don't know if that should really <laughs> count. Um, although although Lever had picked up ten points, hadn't they? Ten points from four games before going to the Parc des Princes, so they were in form, but they're now second bottom again. Um, We've got four teams, by the way, at the bottom on 22 points. Um, Bordeaux are rock bottom, despite picking up a point um, away to Clermont. It was uh, 1-1 that game. Two draws now for David Guillon uh, to start his tenure at at Bordeaux. I mentioned that Mets drew 0-0 with uh, uh, with Nantes. Trois drew with Marseille, so they also have 22 points. That has to be uh, a good point. The big winners... Um, were were Lorient. Uh, Lorient secured a huge 1-0 victory against Brest. Um, I was keeping an eye on that yesterday afternoon and they were uh, missing so many chances. Brest were down to 10 men early on. Chardonnay got got sent off and Lorient were getting these chances and uh, Sumano missed an absolute sitter at, at, at one point. And actually the goal, Ibrahima Kone scored. Lovely through ball from Abagel and Kone sort of falls over and you're like, oh no, he's missed it again. And then he just kind of manages to drag his leg around and bobble it over the goalkeeper. And, you know, it's it's moments like that that change seasons. And uh, that was uh, a huge, huge victory for uh, for Lorient, who move above the bottom four. Um, we're going to talk about goalkeepers, but uh, first of all, I'm just going to invite Andy and Luke to um, to join me in this discussion because I've been fantasizing a little bit this morning and uh, not about the usual things I fantasize about. I've been thinking about Kylian Mbappe and how we're going to keep him um, in France because usually I fantasize about Arsenal, obviously. Um, but 
it's been quite, I find it quite amusing in the last two weeks that sort of every day the papers have got a new story about what PSG are doing to keep killing Mbappe because just in case you didn't know, he's out of contract in the summer. And every time with every passing game, you're kind of thinking, what on earth are they going to do without this guy? So we've heard contract offers, 100 million. No, maybe not 100 million. Sorry, a million euros a week. Um, so just over 50 million euros a year. That's that's not too bad. I've heard that Emmanuel Macron has been uh, summoned to intervene to ha- have a word with, with, with Killian. That might be useful. I'm told as well that his new contract will um, have assurances about the fact that the team will be built around him, that he will be allowed to have input in terms of who Paris Saint-Germain buy this summer. He'll be sitting around the table, apparently, with Leonardo and uh, and friends. And uh, we know that he likes playing football manager, so he might he, he might enjoy that. But can we think of anything else? I was thinking maybe, I don't know, we could throw in a free like Euro Disney pass. But I mean, that you know, that's probably not going to do it. What is it? What is it, Andy, that is going to keep killing Mbappe in Paris? And by the way, I want the listeners to help us here. I want to get, get creative. I want you to send in some ideas um, because I, I think Leonardo needs help. Um, League One Podcast at gmail.com. S'il vous plaît. Andy, what can we do? Well, you, <laughs> well, you, you mentioned Emmanuel Macron. It's funny because uh, thinking about, I think when Stoya Bucharest won the European Cup in 1986, you know, they had all these great Romanian players and essentially the, the communist government at the time barred, you know, the top Romanian players from leaving the country. So that was that was what made it possible for Stoya to to win the European Cup, right? So I mean maybe maybe the Emmanuel Macron intervention, you know, we're coming up to the presidential election in in about six weeks' time. Um maybe that can, I mean he's Macron's not yet announced his candidature. So maybe that can be one of the big policies of of when when he stands and comes forward and says, I'm going to keep killing Mbappe. He's not going to be allowed to leave this country. <laughs> he has to stay at Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, he is not allowed to leave. Maybe he can create, I think what the world really needs right now is another diplomatic spat. So maybe he can create a diplomatic spat with Spain, for example, by barring Mbappe from leaving. And that would be the, the best way to keep him. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They bought they bought him Messi last year. You know, who 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 can they get? Who can they get? I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an, oh yeah, the other idea I had before throwing to you, Luke, they could, they could promise his younger brother, Ethan, Eton, um, a professional contract and perhaps like a regular first team place. I don't know. I mean, he's probably, what is he? 16 now. It's maybe a, a bit early, but he is, he is on, on, on the PSG books. Luke, help me. Any ideas? I mean, not many ideas of how to, how to keep him. It seems like a bit of a foregone conclusion at this point, but I'm not sure if a, a Macron. No, 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 we're not giving up. We're not giving up. No. <laughs> I don't think a Macron intervention is uh, necessarily going to help. I think it might send him running to the hills a little bit. Maybe if he gives him the nomination for his on marsh party or a, uh, go one further and, well, one further, one step further down, maybe let him get the presidency at, um, at PSG. You know, if he's going to have control of the transfers, you may as well go one further and, uh, and give him the presidency of PSG. Maybe 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 they need to sign Giaz Kembo, Matt. Maybe that would be the, you know, the, the what they need is another attacking option anyway. So, um, you know, Giaz yeah, Kembo, probably yeah. doesn't know, was half-brother, you know, grew up with um, grew up with Killian and uh, was not a bad player himself about 10 years ago in Liga. Maybe get him in there and that would make Killian feel even more at home. All right. Okay. So here we go. This is this is what I'm going with. So you imagine this is the offer. So a million a, million a week. Yeah. Okay. You're going to be managed by Zinedine Zidane, obviously. Sorry, Maurizio, but time to move on. Um, Arsene Wenger, who Killian knows very well. Arsene tried to to bring him to Arsenal. We know about those those chats. And uh, yeah, Killian, like uh, like any uh, football purist, loves Arsene Wenger. So Arsene's going to be the sporting director, obviously, and is going to discuss transfers with Killian. Um, I'm not sure what position Eton Eton Mbappe plays, but he you know he'll he'll be starting. We'll have Gires. Kimball Ekoko on, on the right, Ronaldo on the left, because Killian's a big fan. You could get you could get more photos and stuff. And and Killian through the middle, and everyone plays for Killian. Funny thing is, they'd probably still win the league. Let's let guys, let's move on. Um Alexander Nubal and Monaco. I was I was down in Monaco um around about a week ago. I had a, an opportunity to sit down with uh, with Monaco's German goalkeeper, who um Let's face it, had a pretty disastrous start to life in, in Ligue 1 Uber Eats. Monaco struggled in August. Newball dropped a, a couple of clangers and everybody, a lot of people were thinking, why on earth have they got rid of Benjamin Leconte, who was a perfectly decent goalkeeper? And they've got in this German goalkeeper who was the backup to Manuel Neuer in Bayern Munich. He's uh, been signed effectively by Bayern Munich 
to become groomed as uh, as Neuer's uh, successor. Um, let, let's hear from Alexander Nubor, who has recovered from that poor start and uh, is playing very, very well. He played very well against Rouse uh, again at the weekend. And uh, this is what he had to say about his, uh, his time at Monaco and his thoughts on his first seven or eight months here. Uh, I had no rhythm before. The year in Bayern was not so easy, but uh, not as worse as everyone is uh, saying. But uh, yeah, the, the rhythm was not there and uh, the beginning was hard. New country, new language, new place. Uh, but after weeks, uh, it uh, was better and better, got better and better. And uh, now, yeah, as everyone uh, see, it's, it's okay, it's good. My level is good. I'm, I'm still improving. Did you ever ha- have any doubts or think, because, you know, already, like you say, coming to a new place, new environment, new country, and when it's not going great on the pitch, did you think maybe I've not made a good good call? No, no, definitely not. Because uh, I knew before it will be a tough time. And, um, yeah, for sure, that's why I'm here. And one good point is that Kevin is also here. They help me a lot. And uh, the guys also. And um, But, no, before I knew it was it will be not easy. And um, But... I'm feeling great. I'm feeling after the first weeks good, better and better. And um, I'm very happy that I did uh, this step out of Germany. And um, yeah, I'm now very happy that I'm here. Well, uh, Luke, it was interesting to hear him say that he's been helped out by um, by having Kevin Volland uh, at, at the football club. He wasn't helped out too much by Kevin on, uh, on Sunday, <laughs> the German international uh, headed the ball into the top corner of his own net. That was Rance's equaliser. And actually, just before uh, just before Rance equalised, Nubel made a brilliant save, didn't he? There was a one-on-one with uh, Mbuku. Um, and I thought, I watched it, and I thought, oh, that's great. That's going to help for the podcast because Nubel's the hero and Monaco are going to win. But it all went wrong. Volland own goal, and then um, we had a sending off. Jean-Lucas was sent off uh, in, in the dying minutes as well. Monaco was still sort of looking to try to win. They left spaces at the back, and fair play to Rance. They exploited them. Um, and Buku got got a winning goal. Your thoughts, Luke? First of all, on on Alexander Nubel and whether you think he's you know whether he's been a good signing. So I mean, he did have that disastrous start. I think obviously there's always the problem with him that because he has has been the understudy to, to Manuel Neuer, you look for all the similarities that he has with Neuer. So you look at things that he do, you ask, does he do that as well as he does or, or does he not? And the reality is that Neuer is still one of the best goalkeepers in the world. So the answer is, you know, almost always no, he doesn't quite do it as well. But what he's really shown himself to be really, really good at is just shot stopping. His technique, his balance, especially I'm thinking of that double save against Montpellier a few weeks back in which obviously Monaco eventually lost. Um, but to get right across, you know, full stretch to the first and then that change of, of balance to get back up to his feet and then smother the second obviously that save quite late on that looked like it would be decisive um it, it looked like the decisive save he did really well to come out very quickly smother that shot um so yeah his shot stopping is is what is kind of sets him apart it's it's definitely the thing that he's he's strongest at um he does still have the odd difficulty with the ball at his feet, uh, especially long-term, distri- uh, long-term, long-distance distribution is is definitely a weakness of his um, and is something that, you know, that's the biggest difference, I'd say, be- between him and Neuer. Um, currently, you know, if, if you're looking at him through that lens as, as Neuer's successor, which um, given the noises around at the minute, he may not necessarily be. Um, time will tell with that one. But Well, that yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to ask you about, Luke, like in terms of, his situation, Nubel as well, because my understanding is he signed a, a two-year loan. Uh, so in theory, he's still at Monaco next season. Um, I also understand that there are discussions going on at the moment in terms of Manuel Neuer extending his deal and Nubel and all sorts of people, I guess, at Bayern Munich are waiting to see how long Neuer is extended for. And if it's a, a long deal, then, you know, Nubel, he's, he's 24 now. He He's already... You know, played many games for Germany under 21 level. He was the captain of Schalke before moving to Bayern Munich. He's a guy who needs to be playing top top level football. Um, as far as Nubel and Monaco are concerned, you know, this is a relationship that that should continue. You know, into next season. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I think, especially with the news of, of Neuer extending, I think it's guaranteed almost that he's going to stay there for that second season. Maybe beyond time will tell with that one. I mean, obviously, uh, as the backup, they've got uh, Radislav Mijeki, who is. 
someone they invested money in, young keeper as well, Polish. So I think they kind of have hopes for him as well developing. But yeah, Nubel is at 24, he's not that young anymore. And obviously keepers tend to kind of mature and peak a little bit later than kind of, you know, wingers. You know, you say 24, you should be coming into your peak peak era if you're a winger, for example. It's not necessarily the case for a goalkeeper. But at the same time, he's no longer young. He, according to, you know, stuff that's been put out, his team, you know, uh, Newell's team have been disappointed or maybe not disappointed, but are very much wary of the situation at by Munich and don't want him to just be perpetually the number two. Um, so if that's a long-term deal, whether it's Monaco, or whether it's elsewhere, I do think his future could end up lying elsewhere. Luke, just a, m- a more general question about Monaco. They seem to be off to a good start under Philippe Clement, but uh, a couple of disappointing draws and now a defeat at home against Rouse. They've uh, kind of missed the boat a little bit. They've had a chance to, to, to push on into the top five. They've missed that. Um, and they've got some really hard games coming up, starting with Marseille this weekend. We got um, an email from uh, one of our followers, Armand Khan. In fact, it was a tweet, and he says, uh, yeah, this season we're seeing there's been poor recruitment by Paul Mitchell, the sporting director. Uh, Monaco had problems with that last season as well. Um, Do you think the decisions that that they have taken, i.e. to sack the coach and to bring in... uh, uh, Clement to replace Kovac is that the way for Monaco to do better it's true that they don't have that stability um, in terms of the coaching staff what what's your view I mean that's quite a quite a few questions rolled into one really but um, I'll, I'll you know, certainly the recruitment yeah I mean the, the recruitment's been a bit hit and miss and, and when you see the Rouse game on Sunday uh, Jacob's was definitely at fault, wasn't he, for that second goal? Um, yeah, John Lucas, I saw I saw him miss a big chance before he got sent off. He's not been a, a big hit yet. What do you reckon? So, yeah, I mean, going into these three fixtures, obviously it started with Lorient, Bordeaux, and then Rams. Everyone assumed that was nine points on the board. Uh, they've taken two. So that kind of takes them from, yeah, we've got an easy run of games. That should give us momentum going forward. It should propel us towards those Champions League places to... A pretty despondent atmosphere, really, especially at the end of, of yesterday's game when obviously booze rang around the stadium at full time. Um, it does feel as though Champions League football is beyond them at this point. And really, the whole point of bringing in Clement was because of fears of, with Kovac, they're in sixth, of not making that Champions League space. And now they're, they're in ninth, they're much further off third place than they were when, um, when he arrived. So it does start, you, you, you can start to question the decision, you know, bringing in a new manager. Um, he came in in a difficult situation, lots of COVID cases, lots of injuries. So it's a difficult start, but bringing in a manager in the middle of the season um, is always a risky, risky move, especially when things were on the up under Kovac. You know, his last game, they did win 2-1 against Wren. Um, so you, it, it was odd timing, you know, that that's all I'll say. It was, it was odd timing. Um and yeah, it, it's not being shown yet to be the right decision. In terms of recruitment, yeah, there's, there's Jack, Jacobs and there is also Jean-Lucas, none of whom have shone really so far. Jean-Lucas has, has shown moments of brilliance um, and obviously he did get a crucial goal against Leon a couple of weeks back, but he hasn't delivered regularly. Um, and especially when he's playing deeper, he is often giving the ball away in very dangerous situations. Nubel has turned into a success. And then obviously the other one who we're not talking about because he's not been on the scene uh, the past few weeks is, is Boadu, who really struggled. He got that important goal, I think it was against PSV in the in the Europa League. But apart from that, he's not done too much. Um, one of his strengths has been his pressing. And he was kind of a necessary component of the press under Kovac. If he was going to play Ben Yedda, you needed to play Boadu because you knew that Ben Yedda wasn't going to do the work. Um, under Clement, everybody is pressing, pressing really well in a really good system. So even when Boadu comes back, which could be this week, could be next week, um, you can't see him starting too much. That's that's four signings over the summer. And uh, you can only really say Nubel has, has asserted himself as a, as a first-team player, which, considering the money that was spent... Uh, it's not great. Well, it's interesting stuff. And, the, you know, the game against Marseille, we heard from Andy, who was concerned about the way Marseille's season was heading. So Marseille-Monaco, uh, it's going to be it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Just uh, to talk a little bit about, about goalkeepers, I want to hear from Nubel again. I'll bring him in. I asked him um, 
whether there was a cultural difference that he's noticed in terms of the way goalkeepers prepare and uh, the way goalkeepers play in France compared to in Germany. Here's, here's what he had to say. Uh, maybe the French goalkeepers play a bit more yeah, crazy and uh, more dramatic. In Germany, we play more... Um, yeah, if you see me playing, uh, I'm not the guy who's so dramatic. The dramatic saves, I'm only saying, play simple and keep the ball, save the ball. That's what I want. And uh, at least uh, it's this is my first permission. And um, yeah, here, maybe a bit more dramatic, uh, the, the goalkeepers, but uh, at least you have to save the ball. And that's uh, what everyone uh, wants from you. Well, Andy, um, Alex Nubo effectively saying that um, French goalkeepers are a bit flash for his liking. Uh, they like to make um, saves for the for the photographers. Um, he stopped short of, of 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 saying that. But actually, we've been you know putting together the interview for the uh, TV show for the League Gun show. You know, we're going through all his uh, footage from the season. He's not a flashy goalkeeper. Um, he's more of a you know a guy who gets who gets the job done. He's you know he's pretty effective, and we saw that. You know, again against against Rouse on 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 a, on a couple of occasions. Um, but do you, do you, do you go along with that? I've been thinking about it a bit, and I'd say he's definitely less flashy than Benjamin Leconte was. I mean, Leconte was quite effective, but yeah, he'd be, you know, limbs all over the place and um, quite an attractive goalkeeper when he makes saves. Um, thinking about Ligue 1 and and the goalkeepers we have, I'd I'd certainly point to Anthony Lopez, who's a little bit of a throwback to the sort of Jeremy Jano years at, at Saint-Étienne. He was the, the best keeper to watch, but mainly because he was so small. So to make any save, he had to just go absolutely miles and he would fly through the air. Lopez is, is a little bit like that. Um, what do you reckon? Is there a difference in style? Uh, yeah, there's definitely a difference in style. I think, I think um, you know, obviously the, the the wider point about, you know, German goalkeepers and, you know, Manuel Neuer being the prime example of coming out of the box and being the sweeper and being good with his feet um, is, you know, very much applies to in the Bundesliga. We've seen Paul Lopez come into to France, um, you know, Spanish international goalkeeper and, and Jorge Sampaoli preferring him to Stefan Danda because he thinks he's better with his feet and maybe the 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 idea is that French goalkeepers are not as good with their feet. They prefer to make these um, flashy saves. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think that in 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 general, French goalkeepers there's a little bit of a of a of a dearth of of quality French goalkeepers at the moment, which we've talked a lot about. Albon Lafont emerging and being possibly a candidate to go to the World Cup, and I think I think that has to be a real chance. And I think he would. I think he deserves to be in the next France squad. Actually, I mean, I think the. France have got a couple of friendlies coming up against, I think it's the Ivory Coast in South Africa at the end of March. And I think it would be nice to see Lafont in the squad and get a chance. And the other one, who actually is worth mentioning, and maybe Luke um, follows him quite closely as well, as Walter Benitez at Nice, because he made some big saves against Strasbourg at the weekend. He is actually, although he's Argentinian, he is now a French citizen. And he has talked quite openly about the idea of maybe one day playing for France. So... Um, he, he might fit into that mould as well. But it is funny, the, the point about French goalkeepers, because obviously you watch the television here and I find it pretty hilarious. They always go on about English goalkeepers being useless. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, these are just stupid stereotypes, obviously, for the most part. But um, there is there's a difference in style. Yeah, I, I certainly think there's a difference in style between the likes of Noble and Paolo Lopez and, and what we tend to see from, from French goalkeepers who brought through here on French soil. And Andy, the best uh, the best young goalkeeper in Liga and Uber Eats is English, isn't he? So you know Etienne Green, <laughs> Etienne et, 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 Green, who can, who can't even get a game at Saint Etienne now that they've signed Paul, Ber Paul Bernardoni on. No, loan really, and, and but I, Green, I assume Green. he's he was still out injured. Is he is he back? But Green, well, Green was on the bench at, at the weekend. I mean, we'll see we'll see if he comes oh, back in. Say, um, he's far uh, he's uh, he's far better than Bernardoni. I mean, what happened on that first Mbappe goal? The ball just went through Bernardoni, no. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was disappointing from Bernardo. Yeah. I, I think I think's actually done very well at uh, you know at, at, at Angers and and at Nîmes before that, but that was an that was a, a an interesting decision by Saint Etienne to sign to sign Paul Bernardoni when they already had Etienne Green. I'd say, yeah, say at the very least it was an interesting decision. No, it was a stop. I mean, I, I assumed it was a stopgap because Green was out for two or three months and grip. But you know, maybe 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 Bernardoni is is going to compete seriously and 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 maybe even hold on to the number one jersey. Um, Luke, interesting, yeah, what Andy says about Walter Benitez. I, I wanted to mention that I was surprised, actually, when he he got French nationality. He said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to play for France. I love this country and all this. And Christophe Galtier, I thought he was really harsh. He was asked about it in a press conference and he said, oh, I think Walter's got a long way to go before 
you know, we can start talking about him in the national team. There's a lot of goalkeepers ahead of him. I was just thinking if I was Walter Benitez, I'd be like, Christoph, s'il vous plaît. And, and we have been talking about Hugo Lloris perhaps coming back to Nice ne- ne- next season. So, I don't know. It makes me wonder. What do you what, what do you reckon anyway? I'm, I'm I'm rambling, Luke. What do you reckon about French goalkeepers? Um, no, I really like Walter Benitez. Uh, kind of recency bias, but he had a, a really good game at the weekend. Uh, I'm thinking of that top corner. You know, maybe in, in the words of Nubel, flashy save. Um, but those kind of flashy saves do kind of linger in the memory a lot more. Um, yeah, his shot stopping ability has been great this year. Um, so I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be at least on the fringes of that that kind of debate for, you know, the third French goalkeeper. Uh, Lafont, with his obviously display against PSG, kind of puts his name in, in the hat, um, especially seeing as, you know, there's a lot of, of uh, it's a very good performance and there's a lot of media hype around that performance as well. Uh, a certain rating by a, a certain publication was was kind of made known. So, yeah, I think he's very much in the running with Lafont. I think Lafont's probably just ahead in terms of uh, that next French squad. But uh, I think Benitez definitely has to be in the fold. He has to be in the conversation surrounding that that third third goalkeeping spot because really, obviously, uh, Mike Magnon's gone over to, to Italy. He's probably going to be around there thereabouts as well. But that third spot's definitely up for grabs. Yeah, and I, I think it's time to move on from your Costils and your Mondondas. I mean, you know, Loris is going to play the World Cup, but probably will stop after that. Um, and, you know, Mike Mignon, uh, interesting you mention him because, uh, you know, Lille haven't replaced him, have they? I mean, you know, Ivo Gerbic came in on loan from Atletico, had a disaster against PSG, having had some OK games, done all right until then, but he's now been dropped. Leo Jardim... He's actually kept three clean sheets in three games in Liga Nubri, so maybe we shouldn't be too harsh. But if you watch, if you watch that action, that moment against Paqueta in the last minute, I mean, he is the luckiest man alive to have to have got that free kick and to uh, and to have got away with that. Um, it was interesting. I thought last summer uh, Lille were linked with a whole host of goalkeepers to replace Menon, Um and Pedrag Rajkovic, the Rams goalkeeper, was one of them. I think he's underrated. I think he's a He's a strong goalkeeper and uh, an important player for Rams. But uh, I agree. I agree with Andy. There's been a little bit of a slide with uh, Stefan Ruffier going, Mondonda losing his place, Mike Menor leaving. We need some some big some big goalkeepers to um, to step in there. Um, it's been a fascinating chat. You've been listening, by the way. It's not over just yet. You've been listening to Andy Scott, Luke Entwistle, and me, Matt Spiro, on Le Boja, the official Liga Uber Eats podcast. We love hearing from you. Um, league one podcast at gmail.com we love to um, have your ratings as well do subscribe to us on apple on spotify and all of the different podcast platforms and uh, thank you very much for your loyalty we're going to finish as ever with our bon voyage we're going to look ahead to uh, round 27 and we're going to decide which game we fancy taking in So in round 27, the action kicks off on Friday night. Lorient versus Lyon. We've got a couple of huge games at the weekend. Nice, Paris Saint-Germain is the Saturday night's clash at the Alliance Riviera. And then Sunday night, um, Marseille versus Monaco. That will be a cracking atmosphere at the Orange Velodrome. But uh, Andy Scott, what do you fancy uh, going to see next weekend? Yeah, there's 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 a lot of very good games. You're right. I mean, I think probably uh, I know we were joking earlier about me me always always covering Marseille games this season, but Marseille Monaco does stand out. Um, obviously, it's got the history. It's got the it's a very important game in the current context. We talked a lot about the two teams today, so we know all about that. And uh, from a personal viewpoint, it'd be nice to take a trip down to the south. I'm very jealous of of Luke in his in his apartment in Nice, uh, down by the down by the beach in the Mediterranean. It's a lovely day in Paris, but but I don't have the beach just along the road. So I think I might take a trip down to the velodrome, um, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe get there in time to to take a trip to the Vieux and and have some lunch and and then take in. I think it's a really really interesting game. That I mean, it really does have all the history as well as as well as so much riding on it just now in the battle for, for Champions League places and uh, well, just in Monaco's sense, trying to save their season at the moment. So I think I think that is that is the, the standout game for me, even though there's plenty of competition. 
Thank you, Andy. What about yeah, you? Luke? I mean, I'd have to agree. Obviously, not just because I, you know, I report on Monaco. It's the standout game for me as well. Uh, down on the coast, good derby. Um, Monaco have to win every game. The other standout game, obviously, there is the Friday at uh, the Saturday night fixture, even between Nice and and, uh, and PSG. Will be interesting to see how Galtier approaches that, given how he approached the Strasbourg game. Whether it's going to be kind of a much more tactical. Um, I, I don't know, a, a big tactical game, you know, different setups um, and how that plays out because that'll certainly be a, an interesting match. And obviously being in Nice myself, it's uh, it's not a it's not a long journey to get to the to the Allianz Stadium. Yeah, well, look, I'm going to come down as well so we can have a pre-match pasties, uh, Luke, and we'll go and watch uh, Nice against Paris Saint-Germain. I'm particularly interested um, in the sun, but also in uh, Paris Saint-Germain without Kylian Mbappe because he is he is suspended for that which is interesting um perhaps a blessing in disguise ahead of the uh, Real Madrid return leg he gets uh, he gets a bit of a breather this weekend although he's uh, a guy who seems to just want to play and loves playing uh, game after game after game but it's going to be interesting to see if PSG can fire against the best defense in the league without Kylian Mbappe. So so there you go. Nice PSG for me. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. And uh, don't forget to enter our competition if you want to win an Arcadia's Milik shirt. You need to answer the Deja Who, which we uh, presented to you a little bit earlier in the pod. You need to email us, league1podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back again uh, next week. Have a great week. Until then, all the very best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, my word, what a goal. Messi again, this time maybe Messi's done it!